What's up, y'all? Today we are joined by Dara JN, or as his friends call him, Darajan. Uh, he is the meta breaker of Marvel Snap, uh, extremely popular Marvel Snap Twitch streamer, YouTuber, podcaster, multimedia presence extraordinaire, former, I believe, worked for Blizzard on the Hearthstone team, so it was part of Team 5, I believe, and now is the, I would say, preeminent Marvel Snap streamer, or one of the preeminent Marvel Snap streamers who has been streaming since the first day the game came out. If I recall correctly, he was streaming the very first day of the beta, and it all sort of snowballed from there. So someone who's been doing Marvel content or doing Marvel Snap content, I remember Dara streaming before I streamed when we were all streaming to like 12 people in the beta. You were one of the bigger streamers then. It has continued. You're one of the bigger streamers now. And of course, the winner of Conquest Conquer is the fastest time, the fastest time, multiple 30 minute runs. Whatever he figured out, I can't wait to learn because I could not figure out how to uh, affect my opponent's speed, but Dara, known for his ability to induce pumping, was able to do so. How you doing? Did indeed. I'm doing great. I'm happy to be here on the podcast. Thank you guys for inviting me, you know. Also, you know, a big respect for the podcast and you guys. I watch it from time to time, and I like uh, like your guys' conversations, you know. Always uh, Cam Best, the previous number one snap player. Brendan, you know, it's uh, <laughs> good to finally, I guess, get to talk with you one on one. I haven't really talked with you, I guess, too much, you know. Yeah. So there, we usually have a listener question section on each podcast, but when we have guests on, um, we like to get to know a little bit more about them. We call it the bend and snap section, a little legally blonde reference, but just want to set the foundation for the conversation before we jump into Conquerors, jump into some of the new cards that are coming out this month, but just want to hear more about your background as a card gamer. I think, you know, a lot of people do know about that Hearthstone background um, on the development side, I believe, but just talk about where you came from and how you transitioned into Marvel Snap and a little bit about what that experience was like, you know, streaming at the early stages of the game and blowing it up as much as you have. Because we've talked to a lot of people, you know, currently in Marvel Snap content, a lot of them experiencing that same sort of journey coming from those, you know, those very small viewer accounts, sort of early beta. And now where you guys are all at right now, it's just, it's incredible, right? Absolutely incredible. Yeah. So for my background, I, I really wasn't a card gamer uh, too like too long ago, like I, I was like a RTS or like a MOBA gamer. And then I switched into Hearthstone for a bit when I, it launched their mobile app and I, uh, I like just would play in my like free time, like in like, cat, like I'm working out and then I would go play Mar a Marvel Snap game in between snap or not Marvel Snap, sorry, Hearthstone <laughs> game in between sets. And I was just like, that was like what, but I would, how I got interested to card games. It was just like a very casual game hearthstone it was i have never been into like the more serious card games i would say uh before getting introduced to hearthstone but after hearthstone i actually did like start to dabble a little bit in card games like i i like tried out like runeterra i tried out artifact which i still hold to this day as being the best card game created even though no one really liked it and they messed up so many things with it you know it it kind of died but then uh i was still like a big hearthstone player and I got a job offer to work on the Hearthstone team while I was already a fan of the game. And I was like, all right, this is great. So I went there and that kind of like got me a lot of connections with 
team five and those people and also uh just got more in depth into card games and then i left and then a few years later i just heard from one of my friends and ben broad on twitter that they were making a card game and i was like oh wow uh i i knew it was coming like a little bit but uh i luckily got early access because of my connections which is a real nice because they i got friends and family um so I got day one access. I know a lot of people had to get lucky, like the lottery to, you know, get day one access. But uh, when I got in and played, I found it really fun. I, I don't know if you guys remember or know, but I was actually the first person ever to hit infinite because I just grinded it out from the first day when it first launched. And I just in beta, I guess, and just got infinite. And I, uh, I actually don't think I streamed the first day. I think it was actually the second day that I streamed because I uh, was busy grinding just on my phone, you know, the first day it came out. Yeah, I don't think they had Can the I Steam app yet. I remember this. I remember because I remember mm-hmm. the early experience, right? I was playing it with a friend of mine who was you know, extremely good at card games. And it took us a little bit to realize something was up, but it took us longer than that to realize that it was the bots. So like, how quickly um. did you did you did you grok that? Like, how quickly were you like, Oh, I get it now. Because one thing that I remember was bots would move their Nightcrawler when you would Electra mm-hmm. that lane. <laughs> like yeah. that, that was like the persistent tip off. Because like I, I want to say it took us like a couple weeks. Were you faster than us? Oh, I was for sure faster. I'm pretty sure I knew by well on my climb to infinite, I could tell that a few people were bots. You know, like like it was a little bit like well, it, it definitely. Cheated. That they could see what you did. Oh, yeah. Maybe the cheating came a few, like, to confirm that I had to, like, play a bit more and understand that they were cheating. Like, yeah, that was, like, pretty quick, though. Like, I think within a week or two that it was, like, oh, these bots are cheating. And they're literally, like, (laughs) just always winning if if they can win, you know. It's, like, if they have the play to win, they'll play it. And they'll play around whatever you play. Mm -hmm. That was super annoying. I'm kind of glad that they got rid of those bots, mostly. Like, you don't see those really as much anymore. I feel like I actually don't play play ladder ladder. anymore. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We don't do that. So when you say you don't play ladder, do you actually sit at rank 70 and then depreciate down to 40, et cetera? Or do you do the the seasonal chore? I I spent like two hours on stream and got infinite. It's super easy now because it's just all bots. All bots, Yep. There's like no reason to play ladder anymore because it's just literally a chore. It's like the only reason is really to get like the gold at rank 90. Like I don't really care about the card back that you get at infinite or whatever. So. Mm-hmm. I, I did go to back. infinite. You care? About, I really better. don't. I don't even choose card backs when I make decks. So it's like, I don't oh. really care at all. <laughs> yeah. The ones that, I barely the ones choose an avatar. No, card backs are like the rewards for decks that do good. It's how I like visually sort them out because I always have like 20 piles of crap. Mm-hmm. And so if yeah. something is actually good, I have to stick a card back on it so I don't delete it. Yeah. That's that's yeah. how it goes. There was a phrase you yeah. used, uh, Team 5. Cam, you obviously knew this as well. I haven't heard that before. What does that mean in the context of Hearthstone development? Yeah, so it's team? just... Yeah, at Blizzard, they would just separate each of the different teams that worked on different aspects of Blizzard games into different teams. So, like, Team 1, I believe... Uh, I actually don't know. I think Team 2 is... I actually don't know. Wow. Team... Like, maybe Team 1 might have been, like, old-timey one- games... Maybe I think it might have been like our, it might have been like StarCraft and Diablo early Dia- like Diablo 2 like early stuff right. and then they they've transitioned a lot of the teams around so, or like people from the different teams so I don't know what it was. Like team 4 was Overwatch. Like I I can't remember. Maybe 
Yeah, there was like a like it was just like the different names of the team. I did, I just really know Team Five was Carson because <laughs> that's what I worked on. You know, yeah, so yeah. it was just they just codenamed them Team Number, and then that was just like the people who worked on the different games. So mm-hmm. you'd think they'd like do a little gag and do like Team Six 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 for the Diablo guys. Right? That like, that would make I a just, lot of sense. I feel like. I feel like that that fits the company culture there would be, I guess. But mm. what do I know? Yeah. Actually, Team 4 might have been Diablo 3 and then now Diablo 4. No, I mean, that might be Team 3. I actually don't know. You can look it up. It's Google. It's Googleable. So so far, we I have fr- gone through every possible permutation. So I think Team 2 was WoW. No, Team 3 was I, WoW. Team 1 was I WoW. I think Team okay. 2 was WoW. If okay. I If I am Team 2 Blizzard, Googling. it was... Is wow okay? I just had to confirm for my own sake, you know. It's just like yes, yeah. Like I was pretty sure on that one, for sure. Blizzard Insider. Well, Derek G. Let's. Uh, I didn't interact with many other teams since since Cam already. You know, he brought it up in the intro. Let's touch on Conqueror since that's sort of the the most recent sort of spark that happened. Um, is there anything you want to highlight first regarding the tournament, whether it's the format, how it actually played out, you know? what went into building some of the decks that allowed you to do multiple 30 minute runs. I kind of want to really dive into that and the ideologies behind them, but from a high level, how did you guys feel about how the event was executed overall now having played it? I know we, we were both in the event, me and Cam, uh, Cam and me were both practicing a little bit beforehand. I know like we were both testing out some different decks. What would be good. Uh, I, I actually didn't even test out really the deck that I ended up playing just because I already knew it was good. I was trying to like meta break, you know, and find mm-hmm. something new that would like be good in that format. And I knew that like, you know, you don't want magic in your deck if you're trying to play fast. Yeah. You don't want Kang in your deck if you're trying to play fast, you know, you don't. So I kind of play like a she Hulk infinite, like Alex list that he had put together. Like, I thought that list was kind of interesting and good, but at the same time, I wanted to just play something that was fast and could get wins and. I also just like trick people, but yeah, for the format, I actually thought uh, I I might be the only one in the Conqueror's chat that was like, oh yeah, let's do a speed run format. Everyone else was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I was like, oh, speed run, I'm in. You know, that's just like my thing. That's what I do. I I love speed running things uh, in Marvel Snap a lot. I am the Cerebro speedrun champion, and I've held the title for the Infinite speedrun champion for a couple times. But I think Freddy Babe still has a the uh current fastest run and i haven't been able to beat it and i've only tried like twice but it's it's tough because that one's a that one's a grind uh i don't know if it's a a grind anymore with the bots it probably isn't anymore but the bots wasn't it always the bots that like wasn't it just like you need to get through your human games fast enough you can never lose a big one to a bot or you might play a human again and then you just need to keep skyrocketing it up right it was always that yeah, I guess that is true. And it always, uh, it really came down to, do you have a deck good enough to consistently beat bots for eight yeah. cubes? Which is just like, which means you have to open the right cards and those cards are Angela and Bishop. And if you can open yeah. those two cards, you can just crush bots consistently because they they think you're behind because you have a zero power Angela and a one, a two, three power Bishop on your board. And they're like, oh, I can snap this person and win. And then you just crush the bot in the end. But yep. It didn't actually work out that you could open those cards because it's random. Um, that's how the game works. You can't yeah. collect this stuff. Can I ask you guys both a question? And that's, would you like, sure. if, if this if this tournament, they were to do another sponsored tournament or a tournament in the same vein, would you like to see this format repeated or would you like to see a different format? So I'll say as an outside looking in, as a viewer, although they may have wanted this event to come off, 
I don't know, less spiky, less, whatever, maybe just more of a publicity thing rather than an actual tournament. I think outside looking in, and I may, I might be biased, I might be in, you know, some sort of niche here, but I think it would have been infinitely more entertaining to see Swiss rounds. And I would like to see my creators play against each other. Um, what would you like to see if this was repeated in a future tournament, a repeat of the same format, or do you have other formats in mind? I personally really like the Twitch Rivals format. I think that, like, if you guys remember that, it was, like you said, it was like a, a group stage into a finals, and they did unique deck like building restrictions. I think mm -hmm. that is a fun creator tournament that is, like, has unique deck building stuff, and you get to see the deck building process live on stream, and then you also get to see the games of creators versus creators live on stream. So you're not just grinding conquest whatever but this was like it's hard to make a format like they can't just do a swiss format for promoting the conquest mode right you have to promote the conquest mm -hmm. mode and that's Good this was all about promoting conquest so that's that's why it makes sense that they try to come up with a format to promote conquest and it's like what do you do when you have a time restricted like three hours to do something you can't just say who wins the most games necessarily because someone's going to win five and then you're like do you have to run do two runs back to back is it who wins the most because it would have still been me and binks if it was like who won the most infinity conquest because we both won two and no one else won but you guys might have played differently if you were like oh i, I would have say to that because i was firing i was proving ground snapping in rounds one yeah. and two so i fired like 10 or 15 and i was just like we're just gonna keep going keep going keep going keep going keep going because the only way you're gonna actually get a fast time is yep. by proving ground snapping those first couple rounds Mm. Yeah, I did the same thing. Like I lost my first two games to Molt and then like Jeff Hugo yeah. or Hogan uh, back to back. Like it was just like I queued to that, queued to that. And I was like, oh, I'm I'm dead twice. Now I'm back at the start. But then I went and completed my third run. So it's like it just like I was just making sure I was being very fast. I was snap, snapping turn one. But yeah, it also you mentioned in the beginning, how did I do it? How did I get people to snap? I actually figured it out how to get yeah. people like I, I was doing, I was grinding some games off stream and that's how I got the fastest time again. And I was doing the Proving Grounds snap and fist bump and it actually worked in Infinity <laughs> Q sometimes, you know? So I was just like, I would snap fist bump and say sometimes snap question mark if they didn't snap back. And I was just like trying to get the people to snap wow. back on turn one. So it worked enough. The simplest and then, solutions. You know, yeah, sometimes, like my, sometimes solve problems. It does. I, uh, my winning run... I, Oh, sorry, just real quick. My no, winning no, no, run, no, no. I literally, the first four games, I got an eight cuber in those first four games every single time. So it was only my last game that I didn't get like a turn, a first game eight cuber. So it's just like it worked out that they all snapped. So mm -hmm. I believe Banks did the same thing. I think I saw a tweet where he said he snapped on turn one. Every yeah, time. I don't know if he was emote metagaming, but he was doing the early snaps as well. Um, it works. Emotes work. <laughs> I, I will actually back up emote metagaming. I was being roped by somebody. And after I beat them for four cubes, they were still roping. So I snapped and then emoted the Thanos snap and then they immediately got more infested. <laughs> anyway, they beat me and just like spammed emotes at me, but it's what I deserved, right? Mm -hmm. Like I knew yep. that was an option going in when I was like, all right, I'm going to have to make you invested in this game <laughs> in order to get yeah. any kind of time out of it. At the be Yeah, the best is when someone when you snap, they win the round, and then they do the s snap question mark, and then they do the Thanos thing, and then you're like, yeah. then you get, I I get more invested when that happens too. I'm like, oh, they like yeah. they're calling me out for like losing a yeah. round when I snapped. It's like, is it, sometimes that happens, you know, you snap and you lose a round, but it's like you you want to play more. So I think emotes. Yes. That's why I, people are all like, oh, let's get that permanent mute button. It's like, no, I'm one of those people. I'm people. 
I, I get that. No, it's most people. I'm in the mi- minority where I'm like, I think it's fun to have like some sort of like, like it is a little bit toxic at times because people use it in a toxic way, but it is like a way to have some sort of social interaction between you and your opponent and get in their head in a poker like game. You know, it is a poker like game where you're trying to like get some sort of uh, reaction from them to drive them to either snap or to retreat or whatever. So, you know, it's like, you want that that kind of interaction without emotes. You have no way to interact. I uh, I want to drag this back to where we were originally because you asked if I had any other alternate pitches. Because frankly, I actually had a blast. Like I, I feel like I feel like people are only hearing about the negatives of this event, and I had so much fun. <laughs> like I had I had a ton of fun. I really felt like I crossed a barrier in terms of my own mental, where it's just like no. I, I know how to play to win. And even though it feels bad to make the play to play to win, I was proud of myself that I was able to continue to do it. Right. Uh, I I felt like I was really proud of like, I don't know if you didn't, you probably didn't watch my run, but I was just firing, firing, firing and couldn't get a run with traction. I was under pressure towards the end of the three hours. I needed to get into game four and I had to win games two and game three uh within like a very short amount of time and i was able to perform under pressure accomplish that and get my run on the leaderboard by finishing that run and i was really proud of that like like i think this kind of format providing me those experiences gave me more respect for that format i loved it like, i was like that is awesome i really like that uh that said i w- here's my pitch for if they want to do another event are you all ready this is a pitch. I'm, I'm going to are you ready for the pitch? Okay. Multiverse madness. 64 person single elimination bracket. We do bracket contests like March Madness. So if you fill out the right bracket, like you can tweet your bracket or whatever, you could like I I'm so into this. <laughs> this is my this I is love my March pitch. Madness. So I'm into it. I I want to do bracket I want to do March Madness but with Marvel Snap streamers. I want it so so bad and it has to be singly limb no like whining about competitive fairness or any of that it has to be singly limb that's how march madness works everyone loves it because it's wild right like that i i want that is the format i want i want multiverse madness i want a 64 person bracket and you can probably wrap that up in a day Mm -hmm. if you really wanted to i almost would want it to go on like march madness over the course of a month where where you do like the one week where you get like the round of 64, round of 32 out, and then you have the sweet 16, and then you have the, you know, yeah. final four. I think that would be uh, like Elite Eight. I skipped, but you know, it's just like if you progress that. I wasn't going to point it out. You skipped the 32 too. It's, it's okay. I said 64 and 32. You hit 32. In the first you? Yeah. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah. 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 I'm just saying, like, that's like in the first four days, you get both of those knocked out, you know? So yeah. it's like, I think it'd be cool to like just do like a round of 64 and a round of uh 32 just like in the in uh one day and then you have next week we're going to come back and we're going to have the you know top 16 play and then maybe maybe the top eight as well Mm. and then you do one more and it's just like it keeps the hype going a little bit and then you like the people who play only have to play two games every weekend or whatever you know and it's like it maybe we didn't like the infinity gauntlet tournament for the reason that it felt extended uh the first one that we did if you remember Mm. um i do remember it was just 
that one was just like, I think it felt too excited because people were scheduling their own times and it just felt like everyone was just like, yeah. you know, was really laid back and scheduling that. And it just felt like it wasn't really put together in a sense that like it felt uh, very organized in that sense. I think if you just organize like these are the times and they live stream it, I think that is hype, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, like that. that's my pitch. Multiverse madness. Mm-hmm. I'm legitimately trying to get in contact with people in second dinner so I can pitch this. That is not a joke. I am attempting to do this. Like, you know, there's nothing stopping anyone from running a tournament themselves other than money, you know, but. Well, yeah, uh, money is kind of a thing, though, for me, at least. I I, yeah. uh, I, I, uh, I have a very normal job in addition to uh, yeah, yeah. in addition to uh, my my streaming career. Uh, no, I mean, I would I would want to do this, but I think my my thought process is I want to pitch it to them before I you know like take my own hands on it, basically. Because if I can pitch it to them, obviously, like if they do it, they probably won't want to. Like, I figure the only way to get the bracketology thing really out there is to tap into the wider player base. And I feel like if we just do a tournament and there's no like, here's my bracket, uh, I'm filling out my multiverse madness bracket. If we don't if we don't get that, I, I don't know if I can generate that kind of stuff on my own. I don't know if you and I combined could generate that kind of like interest. I don't know if all the Marvel snap streamers in the world could do that, but I know they, yeah, I mean, if we got cozy and Dexter on board, you know, oh, <laughs> like, I mean, look, would... if you want to, if you want to bring in the big guns, but like that is the kind yeah, of yeah, thing yeah. you would have I'll just to say do. like, that's what we would need to spread the yeah. kind of word, you know, Th- those two, would, I think have the largest reach by far yeah. uh, in the community. So yeah. it would have to be, it would have to be something like that. But like, that is, that is my pitch. It is my baby. I want to see it brought to fruition. Multiverse madness. Yeah. Uh, the bracketology thing. Like, I just, I love that so much. I, think, I love the idea of brackets there. I think to execute that grassroots doing it outside of uh, second dinner or whoever put on the last tournament would be pretty tough. The logistics of organizing 64 content creators would probably be, probably be yeah. quite a feat. Uh, are there yeah, have you seen content the content creators? creator channels? <laughs> have you seen them? Daryl, when's the last time you clicked into the content creator channel in the official oh, I, I read it. I read it all the time. So I, okay. I actually do read it, read the content because, uh, you know, it's got some good content in there sometimes, you know, like <laughs> a lot of spicy content takes. being created. Oh, in actually, there. there's like, man, I haven't I haven't looked at it since August 3rd and there is a lot going on <laughs> since then. Oh, man, I'm scrolling down here. Something. People are talking about stuff. I don't know what they're talking about. But yeah, yeah. That, that is what happens. Every time I come back, I, I leave and I'll come back and we'll just be like, oh my God. <laughs> That's crazy. All right. Well, but yes, um, there are there are definitely six. There are definitely more than 64 Marvel Snap content creators. Now, whether or not they're all on Twitch is yeah, sort of a, one thing or another, right? But there's definitely mm-hmm. people that would do it, 100%. Yeah, there's a lot of the content creators that are not streamers that are like, uh, website creators and like Twitter, like content creators, like people like that. Uh, yeah. I think it would be harder to have in a tournament that is supposed to be like live streamed because it's like they're not generally streamers, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I wonder if I even having live YouTubers. from the, yeah from the player as well as well as like the um, the caster view or whatever. Uh, anyway, I want to circle back to the news because we don't have too much time and a, you know, a lot did happen this week. Uh, so we did have Mirage release. So Mirage is a 2-2 that says, on reveal, copy the lowest cost, heart, lowest cost card in your opponent's hand. 
um, into your hand, give it plus two power. And then we had an OTA. Before we jump into the OTA, anything you guys want to say about Mirage? I know, Caleb, when we re- we talked with the high uh, from a high level, the cards for you know this month, four weeks ago, Mirage was kind of one of the cards we were looking at. I mean, not that it was going to be broken, but it just looked like the most fundamentally, I guess, kind of useful card. What's your thoughts now that it's been released and you've had time to play with it? It's fine. It's kind of exactly like it's it, it, it's at the floor, right? Where mm-hmm. it's like, oh, this is like a pretty good card. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, this is pretty good. I think it's pretty good. Uh, it's not like, oh my god, I need to go get Mirage. I, I can't compete without Mirage. That's not true. Mm-hmm. But it kind of isn't true about, you know, most cards that get released. People might argue it's true about Legion. I don't know if you can't compete I, without Legion. I am fairly uh, certain you can. I think you can't build the best decks without Legion. You mostly like, just so, mean the Darkhawk stuff. Like it is the best. It is the best option in that. I build. think you throw that into many decks though, and it makes it a better version. That's the thing. It's not just the Darkhawk deck. Like I put it in. Like obviously you put in a lockdown deck as mm-hmm. well. You know, it's like yeah. that's obviously the best version of a lockdown deck. Like there's also that crazy move like kind of lockdown deck that is out there that won like two tournaments. Oh, the Owl build, uh, yeah. Yeah, like there's like all the stuff. I feel like all the top decks right now are running Legion. So it's just like, I think it is a card that you need to build the top decks right now. I think it's it's the best version of it. But I also think that's like a little bit, you know, it's weird. It's like, I think a lot of the reason people underrated Legion, and I'm going to give myself a pat on the back here. Longtime listeners will be familiar with how much I love doing that. Uh, We were like one of the few people who were like, you know, this card is actually good not because of the storm stuff, but because it's just like a good card that gets rid of location variants, right? And yep. I think even then we underrated how good it end, would end up being. But I think a lot of how good it's ended up being right now is because of the current meta we're in. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if bounce were still around, we couldn't play that card because the bounce deck would just go over the top of every mid range legion deck. Interesting. I think it, I Unless feel like bounce is a deck that really struggles with. Stuff. I think bounce is a deck yeah, that really I, struggles I, with. I locations. agree with Brandon. Yeah, bounce is like one of those decks. You get one. Okay, yeah. you can get one bad location right on a three flip. You might win, but if you yeah. you get a bad location and your opponent storms, which was a very popular card in many decks, you know, it was in the lockdown decks, it was in the Sarah decks, etc. Like you can't win that game. <laughs> like you can't play on yeah. one location. So I feel like Legion yeah. would have been effective again versus bounce. You but, get Crimson I mean, Cosmos and you have Legion. Really good into it. Lockdown decks were already really good into it for sure. For sure. I mean, it was you're. You're right. And and the Saradex were already good into it. But I do think Legion would have been a card that would have been pretty effective against bounce, not because of any sort of stat value. I mean, 5-8 is just not going to be competitive against pre-nerf bounce. But bounce was one of those decks that was so powerful. And the only like, you know, the only thing it lost to were hard counters, like people playing decks that didn't really have any business being played into open metas, but would destroy bounce. Um anyway, Derek, forget talking Wait, about So Mirage. what I'm hearing. What I'm hearing is revert Kitty Pride. Yeah, I mean, I hope so. I mean, they've taken revert, away. revert Kitty Pride. Can we get you on record? Don't don't, don't revert yeah, it. They, don't revert. You ever <laughs> seen? You ever seen like the the Godfather meme where he's like, they massacred my boy. It's like that's what they did to yes. Kitty. Oh, it hurts. But I finally got a Kitty Pride variant. I've been waiting for. Yeah. I want to say, uh, forget talking about Mirage. I just want you to expand a little bit more about why Legion is so good and why Legion is so effective. Is it just because the floor is so powerful on Legion that leads you to, you know, maybe not blowing out your locate your opponent with like some favorable location, but you know, the floor of it usually being neutral to slightly favorable locations on all three. Yeah, I think there's a lot of reasons why Legion is good. As Cam pointed out, it's like the, just being able to control the location variance, but there's a lot of good locations that. Like if you end up just playing Legion onto and it 
favors your deck or favors just like you playing Legion there first, like anything that destroys things or kills things and you play Legion there first and then all their cards just blow up, like that's a huge benefit, right? If you play on Death's Domain, you play it on the, what's the one that bounces the cards back? Like you play like those two locations just like crush if you play Legion on them early or on the last turn. Mm -hmm. And I think the biggest, one of the biggest reasons why Legion's really good is because of the card that became very popular after the OTA, Magic, because now you have Legion to shut down turn uh, turn seven very, very easily, and it, everyone's running it right now, and Magic would be running completely rampant without Legion, I think, because if you throw a Cosmo on your Magic lane or something like that, they can't get rid of it, but Legion just doesn't care about that, and you can just get rid of the, like Magic no matter what, really. So it's just like you really can't guarantee a turn seven with legion in the game and i think that's good balance because i really like the magic meta and i really like legion so it's like i think this creates this kind of tension that's really fun mm. but it does make legion a lot better because it creates always that threat of getting rid of magic is a 5-8 body too powerful i really did not enjoy the magic meta the magic meta I was just loved like it it was just two ships passing in the night is my stupid magic combo bigger than your stupid magic combo? Let's find great. out. <laughs> that was amazing. I remember the time in early beta. Me and oh, KM, God. I think, were two of the biggest known like deck creators and players. And KM would always come in with a deck and into my stream sometimes. And I'd always be like, the first thing I would say, Cam, why is there not magic in this deck? That would be the first thing I always said there to him because magic didn't want that because every other deck would be wanted magic. At it. Every deck, it's, no, other decks would be better at the turn seven than your deck. No, but like, it's there just were the decks threat that for, by which it was uh, better. Turn six magic was so good, you know, just having yes. magic. It was just every, the threat of having it, it's just like you always want it because you always could draw one more card for yourself mm. as well, you know, it's just like, it, it's just like you're, you have to believe in your deck to, like, obviously there are very few decks like that you don't want that to happen, right? But I think for the vast majority of decks, you do want to believe that your deck and your combos and your power of your cards all combined is better than your opponents, right? Like, so it's a question of inevitability. If you have it, you want the card. If you don't, you don't. And so if you need yeah. to get in under it and like their magics are a problem for you, you don't want to be running it. Like, it's, it, there, it, it's, there's if never you time. Are, Yes, they play like the magic. You're happy. That's the, that's the thing. You didn't have to play your magic. That was always the better part. Sure. It's like they played your magic. You didn't have to play yours, but you still want to play your magic. Is I feel like you'd rather Gee, have magic almost every time. I felt like there were decks where, like a death wave deck, for example, where magic countering like was kind of the only thing that would beat you. And there were other decks where it was like, all right, so what actually is our win condition here is. Like, for example, when you're playing like a control deck back in the day, there was like the magic carnage deck, right? Which is just good cards, magic, Shang-Chi, Enchantress, that kind of stuff. Right. And mm -hmm. the idea was you just turn six magic. They'd play their normal turn six and you just blow them out with a Shang-Chi on whatever it was they thought was going to win the game, basically. And that deck, yeah, that always wanted magic. But like a lot of the time, if you were just trying to be a normal deck, I felt like. What was it? Well, I think I remember the specific conversation because I want to say it was a deck like with Taskmaster in it that we're talking about. Are we talking about like I, a Deadpool deck? I can't deck? remember. I want to say yeah. we're talking about a Deadpool deck. 
Maybe not a Deadpool deck. Maybe it was. I like doubt a, it was Deadpool because I never thought Deadpool was good. It was so. Taskmaster. It was Destroyer. Maybe were you playing Magic and Destroyer? Oh, it might have been Destroyer. Yeah. Yes, it, it was may, Destroyer. Destroyer. And I was like, we don't want to play Magic and Destroyer because what we want to do is end the game on turn six because Destroyer is bigger than anything else. That's 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 what this conversation was. I remember this. It might have been, but I, I still I still think that like you always want the option. Like you ran Shang in almost every deck. It didn't matter what you were running. You ran. We didn't and then run, you would run Magic in every deck. I feel like you should. I feel like every deck should run. Maybe not destroy. Maybe true. not destroyer because you're running. May yeah, maybe not destroyer because destroyer armor you run Cosmo armor deck. and X X Savior and armor Cosmo and also X. Cosmo. Yeah, that's, that's not yeah. that's not a conducive environment to it. Yeah, yeah, you probably don't run in that deck specifically. But it's just like I feel maybe that deck specifically. Maybe you don't run magic. I I don't remember too much, but that, I just that's won possible. an argument from a year ago, baby. Let's go. I don't remember. You know. <laughs> I might have had a reason back then. I I feel like I was a a more in tune with like I'm still in tune with the meta. I feel like though, but I think back then I was like much more in tune than most people because I was like the one of the only few people like yourself that was a like, grinding in the game. You know, back then in the early beta, there wasn't many people because it was still early beta. Not too many people were out there doing that. But yeah, I feel like I had some good takes. You know, who knows? Yeah, and just well, for context for people listening, this is not the last magic, but the magic before that, right? You're talking yeah, about like OG yeah. magic, five four magic, yeah. five four magic five, that could be played on turn six. Yeah, she's a she's that a whole five three, wasn't she? Yeah, that's five what I meant. Yeah, five yeah. three. I'm I'm thinking Sarah for a second, but yeah, five three. All right, well, let's talk OTAs. Uh, I'm gonna read them all off. Just pick one out if it if it sort of stands out to you. So we had Hawkeye previously at one one said on reveal if you play a card here next turn plus two power. Now it says plus three power. Hulkbuster three four to three five. Vision five seven to five eight. Captain Marvel five six to four five. Absorbing Man four three to four five. There Hulkbuster go. I like Hulkbuster and Absorbing Man. I, I feel like they both uh, are doing a lot of fun stuff, even though they're both just the ones that are like, give give them more power. You know, the, the other two were kind of like, well, I guess Vision also was just more power. Actually, all of them are more power, except for, except, all right, whatever. Forget except, for technically Hulk, but, except for technically Hawkeye, yes. Yeah, well, not yeah. it was Captain Marvel got reshifted, but it's like, yeah. okay, so I think Hulkbuster is cool because there's like two or three things that you can do with it that's interesting. Uh, like there's obviously like the move stuff that you can throw it into, but also I really like Nimrod stuff. And I think it adds to like a Nimrod kind of package almost like Nimrod. You could even throw in a Nimrod Deadpool kind of deck, but I couldn't really get that to work very well because Deadpool, I still think is bad. Um, but Nimrod, I think is a really, really fun card, really, really strong that it's strong enough that people are starting to run counters to that deck specifically, I think to start stopping that deck because it just pops off sometimes too big. And uh Hulkbuster gives you basically a second out to not drawing Shuri. So you mm -hmm. can now play, if you end up magicking Nimrod, you can now play Hulkbuster after. And now it's a uh, 511, or it's an 11 power card. You know, so it's a big card. It's almost same power as Shuri, right? Like it's it's uh, plus five instead of plus six. So, And then you could do your Venom and uh, Carnage kind of craziness that goes off with it. So I think it's kind of cool still. Um, I really like that, but I, I actually like Absorbing Man more because I feel like there's just so many cool combos out there right now, and there's a lot of new decks that are popping up with Absorbing Man, and I think that has a lot more potential, and I think that goes in so many packages. Like mm -hmm. I could rattle them off, but I'll let maybe Cam talk about his stuff. You know, I mean, I, I kind of think Absorbing Man is uh, a big beneficiary of this because of the reason that it costs four. 
which means you can put it in Zabu decks. Yeah. <laughs> which is like, that's why, I mean, yeah, the biggest winners here for me are Absorbing Man and Captain Marvel because they now go in Zabu decks, which are already like probably the best deck. And now you get to do more and weird things with them, including have a just a three power, a three turn three Captain Marvel. One of the things with the Zabu decks already was if you didn't have a Rock Slide or an Iron Lad, Iron Lad was a big point of alleviating this, but a lot of people just don't own the card. Mm -hmm. So if you didn't have a Rock Slide on your turn three after playing a Zabu, it's like, well, all your cards actually kind of suck. You're going to like tempo an Enchantress or like play a Dark Hawk that immediately gets shanged because Dark Hawk's actually like a turn six play. You can't mm -hmm. actually play him before then. Mm -hmm. And so you you now have this card that you're like 100% OK playing and it's like idiot proof. Like you cannot you cannot mess up your placement of this card. One of the big things about Jeff is that you can always no matter where you put him, there's no thought you actually have to put into where he's going. Like unless there's like a Fisk Tower on the board and then you have to be like, oh, well, I better put him in Fisk Tower. Or, you know, there's a, yeah. a Kunlun. You got to put him somewhere so he can go to the Kunlun. Like there's really not a lot that you actually have to do other than read. Right. There's no like higher level thinking of like, OK, how much power do I expect my opponent to put in this lane? Can I reasonably put the Jeff in here? Is this the lane that I think I'm going to need to start stacking up that I'll need space to move the Jeff out of? There's not a lot of that you need to do. Right. I, I think there is the idea for a lot of decks, especially the Dark Hawk deck of priority when playing out. Jeff. Yeah. So you need to make sure that you're giving up priority and you have to play around where you think your opponent's going to play to make sure that you're giving it up. That's one thing I think is important. I find that Jeff fixes that problem on his own, though, because if you want to lose priority, right. you can just do that. Like you can just be right, like, but I if you have to move it, good. if you have to move it early or something to give up the priority, right. like that's right. that's obviously not optimal play. Like, it's not but optimal, it, but he solves that problem for you. If you don't yeah. think properly enough, you can get out of it because he's Jeff. Now, Captain Marvel yeah. obviously can't do that, but like she's just good all the time anywhere. Yeah. And what, that what, deck did not have a lot of cards that are just good all the time anywhere. Yeah, I just want to highlight what you said with Darkhawk being a turn six play. And if you don't have the rock slide in turn three, like you're right, your your turn threes were pretty bad. Um, and this being sort of a functional turn three that deck really smooths out um, the potential curve. Is the TLDR on this OTA patch, and I know you mentioned uh, the Nimrod decks, Dara, is the TLDR just Zabu decks? Zabu decks are the big winners from this? I mean, they were already the big winners, so it's just like make yep. a good deck better, kind of. Mm -hmm. I, I don't even know if it's necessarily better. Like, I don't know if Captain Marvel in the Dark Hockey deck is the best version of that deck. Like, I'm not sure. Like, I, I haven't tested it too much. Um, but I know that like Captain Marvel not in those decks in just a Zabu package is like kind of meh. Like, I think it's just good in good decks. And it's like, it's hard to separate. Like, is it the best card in that deck? So I feel like the OTA for the most part didn't actually make any didn't i don't know if any of those cards made it to be in a new best deck or a new like top tier deck mm -hmm. like it didn't necessarily change what the best deck was it just like you throw it in the best deck kind of thing mm -hmm. but i think absorbing man might come close to making it into a top tier deck in something i've seen some stuff out there with like brood and yeah mr sinister yeah, yeah that i, I think that. is is making some waves so i think that could actually it's very powerful come out as a top tier deck um We'll have to see. Mm -hmm. Cam, do, I, you, do, you, do you agree that Darkhawk is the best deck? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I I when, when did I do my video? When Legion came out, I did a video called The Best Deck Got Better. So 
yeah <laughs> yes no. i agree i agree people called it clickbait and it's like no man i mean kind of yes it is clickbait but also it's true right like, it's true clickbait which is the best yes. kind of clickbait mm-hmm. it's like I, actual I, factual clickbait i said this will 100 percent get nerfed and i still will stand by i think legion will get nerfed i hope it doesn't because i really like it as is and i think it I like adds legion a lot too. of fun but i think they'll probably make it a 5-7 eventually because it just probably is too strong but I kind of like having a few really strong cards out mm. there, you know, because I don't think Legion is unfun. Even being played against, I don't have that much. It, it does like it sucks when I'm playing a magic deck and I want to just play my turn seven. But it's like there are a lot of other cards that can get rid of that other than Legion. It's just like like making it a five seven is not going to stop people from running Legion and doing that to me. Oh, yeah. So I would still play it. Um, my real question would be like, at what point are we going to do something about this Darkhawk shell? Like at what They've point? Already nerfed it. Five times. At, at, what, so. <laughs> at what point do we have to have a conversation about like what if we don't have Shang Chi and Enchantress both at four cost? I think Shang is actually the biggest problem with that deck because it allows you to do so much and like not, like you can't get run over because you're not really running any other tech cards other than just kill their big things, you know. So yeah, you're you, middling, but like you're the biggest middle deck, right? Like you're yeah. you're existing in the middle and enforcing the middle around you. And because you're the biggest middle deck, like I've actually thought what happens if we cut Darkhawk so that in the mirrors, our opponent's tech has absolutely zero targets, right? What if we just ran Drax? Like what if there was if there was a card that was just a four eight, would it be better than Darkhawk? Because there are you a lot of four play? eights. OK, an actual four eight, though, not like a four eight with a side quest. I mean, like a lot of the like you could play literally uh well, Jessica Jones is not really. That's like a that, almost that's a side four quest. Side four, quest. No, four. That's a side quest. It's got to be no side quest. Just like a four eight, no side. I quest. mean, they there are zero of those, but yeah, there are zero of those. You but like, but like, yeah. would would that actually be better than Darkhawk in Darkhawk mirrors because of that? Like, I I kind of wonder about that. Like, I mean, it would of course you could just you know solve that by running Invisible Woman instead and protect mm. your stuff via priority if you're like a nerd. but but yeah i i do i do kind of think about that stuff every so often where it's like really what we're doing is we're just running the removal and then we're being the biggest deck that runs removal Mm -hmm. and that's why bounce beat the hell out of it because it just made all the removal not work and it would go bigger right like that 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 is like the whole ethos of why Darkhawk didn't exist while bounce was around is because it was just like aha my numbers are bigger and your shang chi doesn't work on them Cool. Yeah, Bounce was just really good at giving up priority. Was one yeah. thing. Yep. So it's just like I have two questions. I, go, uh, go ahead. Oh, so two questions. No, the first one is: is by what order of magnitude is Darkhawk the best deck over a, another archetypical choice? So like Thanos, Lockjaw, uh, Patriot, you know, anything like that. And also, if players are playing Darkhawk mirrors on ladder, does it come down to throwing priority? To your opponent like what do you think breaks the mirror for people that might be running into that matchup over and over again i i think the mirror comes down to like one your tech card choices i've seen a couple people run um scroll and i think that like wins the mirror mm-hmm. a lot of times but also i think it is giving up priority so it's like if you gave up priority you win the matchup because you can just play your shang and enchantress and you kill their dark hawk it's just like there's just like not a, a big way to like do anything about that i guess it does matter a little bit of your draw like if you get your turn three like you play zabu and then a turn three rock slide that really pumps up like yeah. the 
power the deck because they draw rocks now and your heart dark hawk is bigger so it's just like both of those things kind of just like snowball the the mirror so a lot of it comes down to that as well that's what actually matters uh if, yeah. if you play zabu and they don't play zabu you snap well yeah if you that, both play zabu yeah. and, and, and you play rock slide and they play something that isn't rock slide you snap mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. that is that is what it is that i've is. won a lot of the mirrors when i don't have zabu just from the tech cards so i think i think the tech cards do matter a lot if you're able to position properly and understand their Cryo. dark hawk like if you can kill their dark hawk like the deck doesn't run that much power outside of Legion now. Legion is like the biggest yeah. card outside of Darkhawk. So it's just like you can kind of play around it and still win if you just play out your big cards. Like you're not playing a two because you don't have them. But if you're able to do yeah. that and throw priority. Because yeah. you're throwing priority because you can't play as much as them because they play Zabu. So. Yeah. Another thing I noticed is uh, Osmo is like really good in those mirrors. Where... Yeah. Like Cosmo gives you the freedom to like try to bait Shang Chi's again. It's like a priority thing, right? But like you can run out your Dark Hawk, your Iron Lad hits a Dark Hawk or whatever. Boom, Cosmo comes down. I was playing yeah. like a Ronin version of the deck where it was just like, all right, we're giving up all the tech cards. We're giving up every tech card. And what we're going to do is we're going to try wow. to beat mirrors by playing just like Absorbing Man, Master Mold, Absorbing Man, uh, Absorbing Rock Man, Master Slide. Mold. Yes. We did that. We lived the dream. Yeah. And then just That's the molded and folded dream, yeah. Whenever anyone tried to like interact, it was just like, no, we're gonna Cosmo that. You don't get to do that. So like your turn six is like Mystica Ronin play Cosmo. And it's like, oh, yeah. that's actually like it's actually like really good against a lot of stuff trying to just shang you. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to pull off. And, yeah. And the second I did notice in the in that deck specifically, Cosmo is kind of counterintuitive to the master mold just because they can play out their sentinels without refilling their hand but that's like that if you're true. playing cosmo as a as a later turn that's not as important but i did run cosmo in that deck for the most part a lot of times so mm-hmm. and by by how much is it the best deck for people that maybe don't have the cards or just don't enjoy that archetype is it is that the deck you need to be playing if you want to be successful right now or is it close i'd say uh, it's further away than km is pointing out i i think it is like uh what like i think it's one of the decks that's more skill testing because it's one that requires you to understand your opponent's play and how they're going to play out and throwing priority i think is skill testing and i think being able to actually like uh navigate the deck itself is is skill testing so i think in general i think if you have the best play of that deck i think it is far and above the best deck like i think there's like a big gap between that and number two but it's just like there's a lot of variations of that best deck. Like there, you can throw in like Black Bolt Stature into that deck. You can throw like a couple of different packages in, and it's still like that top deck. I don't think they're like I consider all those like anything that runs like Darkhawk and Shang and Zabu. I think are just like the top deck. It's just like there's a lot of like that package that could be flipped around and and work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I would say that it's not the best deck by a lot. But that doesn't actually matter, right? I like I think my perspective is, okay, this isn't the best deck by a lot, but if it is definitively the best deck, you still have to play it, right? Like, I don't think it's like you can't win if you don't play this or anything along those lines. I just think that like whether or not it's the best deck by, you know, 1.2 or 1.1, it's still better to play it would be yeah. Do you think it's oppressive think, on the on the meta? Do you think that it's constricting the meta? I think it's restricting I, the meta in good ways. 
where like yeah, when I, I first I made my video, when I first made my video on this deck, it was like uh, I called it the police, right? Like mm-hmm. this was still when everyone was playing magic bullshit. And I made this deck. Yeah. I like I, I won't I won't be like, oh, I made this deck. It's fucking black bolt stature. But like I made a video on the deck because I was like, I am sick of losing to this crap. Like I am sick of getting scammed by living tribunal or whatever it is of surfer negative. I'm sick of it. Get it out of here. And so I put this deck together and I was like, oh, yeah, we're going to farm. them." And then we farmed them. Yeah. And now those decks aren't there anymore. And so it, what it's what it's doing is it's preventing the meta from getting to one note mm-hmm. yeah it, it prevents like the ultra combos as it is it's, just, it's a control style deck it, it literally tries to counter everything out there and it might do it a little bit too well in that it counters almost everything i don't think there's any deck that is it's a deck that doesn't have any unfavorable matchups which is a problem i think that's the only thing that i think is a problem is that its matchup favorability is too good across the board but i do think that anytime you can say this is the best deck that means that it's the best deck by a margin because anytime yeah. there isn't a best deck, you're like, okay, it could be one of these decks, mm-hmm. right? That means there is a margin and it's not, it's not small, but it's not like giant. I would say it's not like a huge, like this is the best deck by a mile, but I do think it is considerably the best deck. And I think it probably needs some tweaks because it is good for the meta, I think, but it's too good in the meta. Right? Make Enchantress a three, three. Mm. that's my pitch no 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 don't don't you know enchantress is fine i think shang shang needs changes i've Make said shang, shang needs- a five five yes i don't care whatever I, it is yeah. get it out of the zabu pool get one of them yes. out of the zabu pool so they don't have everything perfectly rounded i've said shang should be a five cost since early beta because like all the cards that do something as powerful as shang have been a five cost like leech and uh arrow and things like that like cards that do a powerful effect that are game winning and like when you games just on turn six swing plays, those should be five costs. I think, I think Shang is a card that deserves that. And it is, unless you change Shang to like kill one card or something, I think it's too powerful. Mm-hmm. No, I think I definitely don't like that. It needs to exist. Like there needs to be like, the thing is, I think the dark Hawk kind of decks are good for the game, but you just don't want it to be the same version of that deck over and over. And over. I want, I want a dark Hawk deck without Shang. That's the thing. Like the de- I think the deck is a lot worse without Shang because it, it doesn't it has no answers to like those big powerful right. cards anymore. It means I don't think that I don't think that deck could exist without Shang. I, like, I when think you talk about exist. a Darkhawk deck without Shang, I don't think that's real. In this meta, I think it could because like there there are only a few decks I feel like that it would struggle against right now, but the meta would probably shift a lot of Shang. Right, because got it's changed. pushing all of the decks that it would struggle with out because it has yeah. that ability. So, I think Shang would still be run in a lot of decks, even at like a five cost. Like if you made it a five five, I think it'd still be run in a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Maybe even the how Dark Eliath. Have you seen the leaked Eliath card? We never oh, talked yeah. about this stuff. I, I, like, yeah, I, I talked about it in my stream and I'm like, this card is insane. Being released as a five cost, this should definitely be a six cost. I think this card is way too good, but we'll yeah. see. If anyone, you guys can talk about what it is if you want. I, like it's, uh, five five. And on reveal, destroy all cards played here this turn, except it. All your opponent's cards, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's only enemy cards. Yeah, Yeah, destroy all all opponent's cards that are played here. Which sounds insane. It's just like win the lane. Mm. Win win this lane. They made leader again. Yeah, I was going to say it's leader. They made second leader. (laughs) And it's for five five costs. I'm like, wait, what? That's too good. I guess second arrow, right? Like, that's more the card. It's more like arrow, yeah. It's more like arrow. Yeah. You win one lane, and then this will win the second lane for you. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, all right. 
So yep. we're talking on the eve of this new season. And while we won't have time to get to all the cards that are going to come out, I do want to at least just touch on Dakin. Um, three, four on reveal, add the Muramasa shard to your hand. The Muramasa shard is a one, one it says when this is discarded or destroyed, double Dakin's power. I've seen a bit of hype on Twitter for this card. Some people saying it's the second coming of something like Zalu power level out of a seasonal card. What are y'all's thoughts? And is it, is it unfair to maybe discuss Dakin outside of the context of some of the cards that are coming later in the month, or can we just look at it in its own shell? I'm super excited for Dakin, and I think it'll be good. It's actually Dakin, according to Marvel, just by the way. I got confirmation by that. Okay, okay. Uh, but it's uh, they they said uh, that... I, I think it's going to be the best card of the month, and obviously some of the other cards will make it better because they interact with mm. the shard. But I do think that... In the current meta, it would still be good. And I think there are a lot of different packages that could make it good. Because it's just going to be a new good stuff card, I think, that can interact in cool ways with different destroying discard decks, right? Because the Muramasa Shard has to be discarded or destroyed. And there's a lot of easy ways to do that, like Modoc, Carnage, you know, like things like that. And then also, doubling power has always historically been very strong. And I think doubling power in this is going to be very strong too. Because if you Moon Girl, you get two of them, or you... Uh, even like Absorg Man, I think could get you another one as oh, well, wow. right? So, or I don't even know. Like, there's a lot of ways you could do it to get two shards and then Absorbing Man will get you another shard, but it'll only double Dakin, not yeah. the Absorbing. Mm -hmm. But Absorbing Man's enough power that maybe you play it still. You know, I don't know if it, it's worth it, but yeah, Moon Girl, you still have to play out to Dakin, so it's hard. Mm. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I'm thinking for this card, and it's I'm gonna play so much Cosmo and Armor. <laughs> on day one, I'm not gonna let anyone have fun with this. <laughs> like, every You're single one of those. person, every I... single person is gonna run like the world's worst destroyed X oh. with this pile of crap, and I am going to police them until they are dead, and then we can figure out what's actually good with this card. Because everyone's gonna be like, "Oh, <sighs> let me just let me just put this in Nimrod or whatever." No, no, get out! I'm playing armor. I'm not doing it. I love Nimrod, uh, but I. Honestly, hate this about the release schedule in that like every day when the new card comes out, especially with season pass cards, it's uh, everyone's playing the card and everyone's playing counters to the card. And that's just like yeah. the two, the meta you get. It's just like I hate single card releases for that exact reason. Mm. And I wish they would make card dumps because then the meta would be actually a new meta and not just like a very narrow meta for one or two days that is then shifted mm. over the course of like the next two weeks let's it's like let's expand on that actually because you came from hearthstone which is a much different model where it's bastion expansions and like you said we have um the weekly card releases we also have otas on top of that and the patches what is your ideal release schedule because we've talked about this a lot as creators and as competitors in marvel staff it feels like we are spoiled for content although you said it is like this one card meta that lasts for a few days it does change frequently and it does keep the game fresh what system would you implement to improve that you talked about bastion Batches. Yeah, I think the OTAs feel more like batches. They're like introducing new cards. And I think those are actually more fun than the single card releases. Like I think having an OTA, like I think this OTA didn't necessarily change as much as I would have liked it to. I think it did a couple things, but some of the OTAs have felt really, really like the magic OTA, I feel like created mm. a whole new meta. And I think that was really fun. And I think uh I think there's just some OTAs that can do that, like single card releases rarely do that unless it creates a whole new deck archetype that is like very fresh and unique and kind of shifts things around but i want like like i just said like i would prefer them to just drop all four cards on one 
once a month or even better do like you can do your single card releases but then once a month or every three months do a like 10 card drop like i loved when they did series four and five first came out and they dropped like 10 cards at once i loved when the game i think the game first launched they also dropped like 10 cards at once i i think those are the best times for the game because it just feels so fresh but the way that they do the release model really inhibits them from really mm. doing something like that because it's like you drop 10 cards at once only the very top people yeah in collecting end up getting all 10 cards and playing out cool things because you can't just pick and you can't just say like i want all these 10 cards right cam what so are you like what the, are your thoughts on the single releases and uh do you agree that that might be a better model i i think uh i think just just Coming off your last point there, the current card acquisition model probably couldn't, doesn't feel like it could scale well into those batches. They might have to actually rework that in order to have them be successful. Oh boy, another economy rework. (laughs) uh, Everyone's going to love that. Okay. Um, My basic take is Marvel Snap is a game that is too generous with its cards at the front end. And people are people are going to get mags. It's like, oh, it's a terrible take. We mean it too generous. What I mean is they give you there are no filler cards in Marvel Snap for the most part, like some exist. But even then, like we're playing Cyclops right now, sure. you know, like there are not cards that are like draft chaff in MTG or like half the commons in Hearthstone. Right. So it is giving you actual cards when you open Vision you will probably play that card at some point when you have a full collection, right? I have played Kazar with a full collection, Blue Marvel, Ant-Man, Angela, Bishop. They give you all of these... (laughs) They (laughs) give you all of these cards, right? Up until probably the end of Pool 2, they're just giving you stuff without ever asking for anything other than do your dailies. And in, like... At a very reasonable pace, you get into pool three and it really starts to slow down. And that's when people start spending for progression. But the reason it's like that is because you didn't pay for any of the other stuff that you got. There is not another game where your starter set stuff is going to be that relevant later on. Like, this is, like, what, 20... When's the last time people played Tyrion Forging in Hearthstone? It's a serious question. I don't really play Hearthstone that much, but, like, I remember him being around, like, an Goro Paladin, right? Like, he it's came back a little bit. It's pretty bit. common card, actually. Okay. <laughs> really? Yeah, that, yeah let's go. He, he came back, so... Yeah. <laughs> I love Tyrion. I'm so happy for that. They no, also do like, a new thing in Hearthstone where they rotate the base set, so yeah. it's not really, oh. like... Oh. Yeah. Okay, well, okay, take my shitty example out then. I guess my point would be you don't do anything to get these cards other than playing the game, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's a point at which they're like, okay, well, we need to monetize these cards. And because they're married to this collection track thing where you get the cards by upgrading the cards, by interacting with the base mechanics of the game, they're married to this collection track thing. They're like, all right, well, how do we monetize that? And so the obvious answer is, well, make it longer on the collection track between cards and then they'll spend to get more cards. And so that's what they tried at the beginning. And everyone was like, well, you realize this sucks incredible ass. And they were like, ah, you're right. It does suck incredible ass to get like uh, Red Skull as your last card before you have to wait 92 collection levels before you get another one. Right. When you don't own something like Sarah. But like, I think one of the things is people talk about that, like they're talking about agency. Oh, people want agency. They want the deck. They want to collect. It's like, no, 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 no. The reason they want agency 
is because they have all these other cards, so they're looking for that last one. You get nine-tenths of the deck for free, and then you're like, why can't I get this last tenth of the deck? Why can't I use my agency to acquire that? And that's the, the fundamental thing that they struggle with, which is we give you all they we give you XYZ for free, but it's not enough to be competitive. And the things that are enough to be competitive will cost you either time or money. And so you're sitting here with, you know, probably eight of the 12 cards you need to play Darkhawk and you can't play it, right? You're you're stuck playing something else. And it's it's weird. It's a weird dynamic because, like, I think we would all agree that, like, Shang-Chi, Enchantress, two of the strongest cards in the game, you just get them for free. They exist for free. You just acquire them for nothing. There is no gate on them at all. Killmonger, no gate on him. He just shows up in your collection one day and you're like, I have that card. And there's a ton of things like that. But then you'll end up missing one card from Series 3 or one card from Series 4 or one card from Series 5. And I think it puts them in a hole collection wise. They're just in a hole where they give you so much that they're like, OK, now we need to monetize. And it makes it feel worse because you have most of what you need, but not all of what you need. And all of what you need is gated behind an exorbitant price point. Mm. Yeah, I I could talk about the economy for days in regards to this because I, I, I have a lot of very strong opinions. Like I think, Cam, you hit on a very good point that they do give a lot for free and then they might have made some things very expensive. But I think that's actually to fulfill one of their other goals that I think is misguided. And it sounds like they're trying to do it in a noble way, but it's actually causing more issues is like I think they've even responded to some posts talking about this. You mean unique collections? I do not mean unique collections, okay. but Whoa. I do. Not, I hate unique I, I, collections I, 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 as well. Where you were going, there that that, no, that one is a bingo card conversation that we've had. Yeah, through. no, I I hate unique collections, <laughs> and it's awful, and it it's killed Snap from being the biggest game card game that it could be. Uh, but I think the thing that one of the goals that they're trying to do is to close the gap between free to play and paid players, and I think that's like it seems like they're trying to do a noble goal, and they've like talked about that. They've specifically said that sounds too pay to win like they said like that that makes the people who have a lot get a lot more cheaper and they're like like that may be like them trying to be like we want to make them pay more but also at the same time they like don't want the free-to-play people to fall behind as a noble cause but it's like the way that they do that is implemented so terribly that it's like look we're gonna just make the game extremely expensive so it's almost not worthwhile to spend any money and then that way you could just like we can't have the gap be too long like that when they first started the game they really limited you on how many cards you could spend mm -hmm. to try and keep that gap close so they were like look you could play a lot and you can pay uh, this much you can't pay any more than this we're not going to take any more of your money but at the same time they're like but your money basically does nothing for you it's like yes. it, it's a terrible model that's like make you pay a lot for almost nothing and then you could just play for nothing and then we give you a lot so it's like but now give you a lot now still requires a lot of time. And I hate the time restrictions, especially for games that are like you want to be a part of the current meta and the meta is constantly shifting. And if you are time restricted, you miss out on metas. And that's just like it's going to suck for you when the meta shifts away from something and you never got experience. Like if a Hearthstone happened and you basically miss an entire expansion of Hearthstone, you're like you missed out on an entire type of game during that time. It's like it sucks that you would have to do that. 
And that's why I think unique collections is terrible. I think their release model is terrible. And I think that uh, in general, the way that they monetize and make you pay exorbitant prices is terrible. Because if you just made like they had promised and focused on, they said, we want to focus on season passes and like variants as the mm-hmm. way that we monetize after the Nexus event fiasco. And if they did that, I think the game would have been way more successful. And I think it would continue to pull in a lot more people. And then people could also maybe play what they wanted more. But that's still unique collections is the problem with that. But <laughs> uh, I, I think in general, they need to fix it in some way like to keep the game relevant into the long-term future, yeah. but we'll have to see if we'll they to, do or not. I would like, I would, if you, I just want you to touch on real quickly. What do you think about the current scalability of this system? So let's say we fast forward, stay with the same system a year, two years. How are new players going to catch up? Are they just falling infinitely behind? Uh, well, the whole catch-up mechanic is supposed to be the Series 3 drop, which they kind of have seemed to have stopped. I don't know when that's going to continue again, but eventually because series three cards are kind of faster to acquire and maybe in the very long future they might have to drop some series three cards to series two to have that catch-up mechanic be even faster right so they have to make it even like faster that you acquire all these other cards but i do think like in hearthstone i really wish that they would just give away like a lot of the early they kind of do with the rotating base sets and i think that's something that they might have to do and that they just give you more cards at from the beginning but I don't think it lasts like this. The system will need to change before another year happens because yeah. I think it will. There aren't going to be new players in a year. Like that's the thing. It's just going to be like you You can't really have like this game has already been really inhibitive to new players. I think it's really hard. Like people will play and then they'll churn immediately once they like they get to series halfway through series. They're going to like, all right, well, I've, I've kind of like I hit infinite. I like I did some of the quests or whatever for a couple of days. I've, I have so many friends from Hearthstone, so many friends from other games that have come in, tried it and just did exactly that. They just like, they stopped doing their daily missions and they're just like, Hey, it's too much. I can't just keep up with this game. I'm not going to spend a thousand dollars to keep up with this game. And then they quit. And that's just basically it. So they need to change something to be able to keep growing a player base because yeah. it's shrinking right now. How many reworks, how many more reworks do you think the community can take before they lose faith? Because, you know, a whole new rework, this system's going to work and then it, it doesn't and the community, you know, they just, it, there has to be a point. I mean, maybe it's just one more correct rework, right? Like one more that actually gets it right. But I think if we keep going on this, this path of where they're constantly trying to fully revamp stuff and the community doesn't receive it really well and like with this system, you know, I think a lot of us, you know, if you've looked at I, I haven't audited the math, but if you look at the math, it looks like the math is kind of better on the system, but it was just so nuanced in a way that in it, you know, it has that sort of gambling aspect to it, which is sort of artificial, but it is there. Like it just, rubbed, I love that, <laughs> it, it, but it rubbed players the wrong way. Like I see consistently in YouTube comments, Twitter, et cetera, like people are just like level one hate pissed off about this system they hate everything about it like they want to go back to the old system etc it's like how many more reworks with the promise of this being the system that's going to work can we take as a community for people are saying like maybe it's like uh, they just walk away i don't know i honestly think they've already missed the boat and it's now kind of just like a matter of time because i i think i don't know of any game in history that has done significant reworks uh, and then been able to come back right like once you've hit the boat where you're making a lot of reworks, it's really hard, especially when you're already a year into your launch. Like, it's really hard to be like a relaunch of a game. Like, if you think about some games that came out yep. that like 
like had huge reworks. There was like that one world building that generated like random worlds. What's the name of that game? That you think it had a Star really. Citizen? No, 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 no. It's not Star Citizen. Uh, it's the other one. Star Citizen. Oh, is it's Star No Man's Sky. That's what it is. No yes. Man's Sky. Yes, yeah. that one had a terrible, terrible launch. But then they did a huge rework, yeah. and everyone loved the rework. But it still saw no success. Yes, because it, it showed us that it's better to put a number two after your game and re-release it than to actually work on it and make it better. That is like the yep. No Man's Sky case study tells you that developers like in the future will likely just yep. release an Overwatch two or Hearthstone two rather than actually you know spend the multi like the multi years it might take to actually fix the game because it didn't pan out for no man's sky it doesn't seem like well it didn't pan out for overwatch 2 either right? yeah, I was yeah, say, yeah. Like, overwatch 2 <laughs> yeah maybe well, not the no, best example I, I don't think i don't think slapping a two on a game is the answer i also don't think slapping a two on an unsuccessful game is the answer mm-hmm. because that's not going to do anything because no one's going to buy no man's sky 2 if it, no man's sky 1 was awful i feel like so i think like they it's kind of one of those things that you just miss the boat and maybe you need to just like rebrand and move on kind of thing it's just like there's nothing really that you can do at that point, it seems like. I don't know an example of a game that's done that, and there maybe might be one out there, but it's hard to do. And I think Snap is a game that has kind of missed the boat. And I'm sad because I wanted it to be good, and I wanted them to just get rid of unique collections. <laughs> and, you know, like, like I wanted them to just make it a... Like, the gameplay and everything, the new player experience is so good that if they just, like... Had it be a traditional card game after like level 500 and they dropped expansions and they just made it so you could acquire cards normally, I think the game would have been bigger than Hearthstone, bigger than yeah, like any other card game out there, Magic. One, even. one thing going for it is I feel like, and this is kind of, uh, I'm kind of reaching for it with this take, but I do feel like not a lot of games compete with Marvel Snap. I look at Marvel Snap as a new genre of card games with the short games, you know, the very mobile friendly, the snapping mechanic, visual card design, small decks, etc. But I do think that if we go a year in time, two years time, like, People have seen that model. They've seen how good the game can be. And I think that we will see competitors come in. And with a system that is sort of disenfranchised players this much, that's really when I would actually start to, you know, I'd be worried for the game is when when those competitors come along. I actually don't think it's completely unique. So I think this, this they basically looked at a game like Clash Royale. Clash Royale is actually mm-hmm. a deck building game. Little do people know. Like you build a deck of units that then you send to attack and you play it in a more live, like, live or like almost like ARPG kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like it's like, it's a weird style. It's not like a card game in the same sense, but it is like a deck building game where you, you build a small deck of things and you, and you get them rotated through and you play cards. And I think they try to replicate almost like the exact monetization model of that as well. Kind of like where you ha- like other than like upgrading cards, but it's like you acquire the cards kind of randomly through like boxes and stuff. It's like, it's not the exact monetization model, but it is like that kind of genre. It is a mobile game genre. Like, and that's what they're doing. So it's it's not necessarily new. It's just taking the card game and applying it more to the mobile game genre. It is new to card games potentially in that sense. But I think this it is, is why. This is why. Sorry, I, I just want to go ahead. In. This is why my original conspiracy theory was their original pitch for this, like their elevator pitch, was it's a card game that is a gotcha game. That's yeah. what I think the elevator pitch was, where it's like because it makes so much sense. Like, imagine one card coming out, you're rolling on the banner. Like, that's what they were going for. They were trying to get a gotcha game with good card game gameplay or a card game with gotcha card acquisition. That I is feel what like they wanted. Th- I feel like they went all in on being like, we want to make unique, unique collections. We want to, and then we want to make a cool game. And then they just 
threw in a person who's worked on like like mobile game monetization and they just threw it in. I don't think they went into this thinking I want to make this a gotcha game. I think it was kind of just really? a, I think it was like kind of a third thing that happened. I think they they ended up just making making a, a fire game. Like it just like they they designed a game and it's really fun and it, mm-hmm. they solved yeah. a lot of problems with card games and I think that's great. Uh but then they they went really really hard in the unique collections and then they just yeah had someone that's like how do i monetize this and then they came up with some really bad ideas unique collections really surprises me with you know a lot of second dinner i mean the big names like ben brode being sort of historical card game players successful in hearthstone etc like unique collections is so far off base of what card gamers actually want in any scenario like losing to cards they can't acquire don't have etc it like when that when that was like the pitched as a feature of the game and not a bug, it, it felt legitimately disingenuous because it just leads to feels bad constantly. It constantly it goes back. I think this happens a lot with developers. I've worked with a lot of developers and I have played a lot of games as a player, and I see it happen consistently that developers go back to what was that feeling I had as a kid when I got introduced to this thing that now I'm working on, and they're like, I want to go back to that feeling, and so like Ben Brode and team. They were like, I want to go back to like when I was randomly collecting cards from just opening packs of magic cards and being like, I just have these random 10 cards and I go play with my friends and I just put together this crazy deck. And they were like, what if we could replicate that and force people to do that? But it's like the reason you did that as a kid is because you didn't have money. You didn't have knowledge and information. Age of information. You can't do it anymore. Yeah, it's it's gone. The second the Internet comes out being 10. You can't yeah. get yourself in that brain space anymore. And the internet where the grinning not demon is the best magic card ever printed. You can't yeah. do it. Yeah, it doesn't work. And I think so many developers, like even in Artifact, they try to do this. Like uh, Andrew Garfield said, like I don't like a ladder system because I think it's just more fun when you get to go play yeah. and sit with your friends. So I want to make it so that you're just going on and just like playing random games with people that like pick up games. It's like no, it, it's already it, we've evolved past that. You can't go back. That's the thing. It's just like. This is what happens when you try and go backwards. And when you go backwards, people just are like, give me the thing that's better than this. It's just like, okay. Andrew Garfield. I loved him in Spider-Man. <laughs> Did you say Andrew? Did I say Andrew Garfield? <laughs> I, Richard Garfield. <laughs> Richard Garfield. My bad. You know, I'm looking at Spider-Man on my screen right now. So it, it happens. Yeah. R- thank you for correcting yeah. me. Richard Garfield. It's it's so funny that you mentioned that because I also know a few game developers and they like I have encountered that sentiment many times as well, where they're trying to capture an experience, an, in- an innocent experience that was like the impetus of their joy in the game. But we've just we've expanded either through like just evolving as card game players and just becoming older that it's not possible cognitively or it's just like in the age of information the internet it's like you're not going to have that like people are just going to net deck km on twitter or yourself and they're going to get the best deck because they want to win casual card game players like even when they consider themselves casuals they often tend towards meta decks it's weird they tend towards winning like the most casual players i know my friends are the ones that hit me up the most about like what's the deck to play it's not it's not the second dinner players. employees hit me up and ask me what deck should I play or they have historically, you know, they've, they've said like, what's good, you know, like everyone wants to do it, you know, it's just like random. Everyone just is like people who play casually for sure just want to like net deck and they don't all. I think that's actually one of the things to not sidetrack, but in a lot of card games that is restrictive to people getting into it is because they don't want a deck build. They just want to play what's good and they want to just know age of information changed the world. And I think. This is another hot topic for me is just like data in general, like secondary won't release the data and they say it's because they don't want 
everyone to just be playing the same stuff. Guess what? People are going to be playing the same stuff anyway, because they're just going to net deck whatever people are saying. It doesn't matter whether it's data backed or not. Like the data is now what creators say because they play the most games and they get the data, right? Like they get uh, more what like their own data, but it's not, it's still data. So it's just like, I would rather them just release everything and be able like, we're, we're already past it. It's again, going backwards. Like they're again, trying to say like, we're going to take away something that you could have, but you know, I, I just want to live in the future, not in the past. Well, Dara, when I was 10, I didn't know what the word data meant. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> kitchen well, I'm table not saying you, you don't, you don't need to know data. I'm saying to net deck. That's what I'm saying. You don't need to go look at the data to net deck. I think data only provides more things to the people who care about it and doesn't add any negatives to the people who don't care about it. Because I actually disagree that like in general that it creates a more solved meta because I think it actually opens up the door to seeing the problems with a meta and being able to figure out like, this is what the developers are doing in the back end, right? They should be looking at it and be like, all right, what's the problems? But now the players can then go and say, hey, how can I poke holes in this deck? And it's much easier to go say, what's the better matchups to play against this? And then I would create jump. a more diverse meta. Mm. I would kill yeah. for that. Like, I would kill for the ability to just be like, damn, I wonder what actually beats this and not have to, yeah. like, theory it out over the course of, like, a day and a half of testing. Where it's just like, it creates a more diverse works. meta. Yeah. But I also think most people wouldn't use it for that. Like, that That said, I, I, I do get but where But it doesn't from. matter if you have the data that says it's the best deck or you have someone else saying this is the best deck. It, it creates yeah. that, that single thing. I think data only can create a more diverse meta. Like, mm -hmm. I think regardless of having the official data saying this is the best deck or yeah. other people saying it's the best deck, it'll create the same meta. So, like, it'll create... It might be the, not be the same exact meta. Like, you might now have this is the actual, like, like defining meta. But it's just, like, I think either way, you're going to single target a deck or a thing. That so, seems to happen regardless. Yeah, so regardless of the integrity of the information, you know, whether it's coming from a content creator who plays a lot and has used their own data to formulate this opinion, or it's coming from the actual backend data of the game, players will follow the same process of looking towards that thought leader or that content creator, et cetera, to find the deck to play. That's what you're saying, right? Yep. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Mm. Well, I'm going to close it Do out. Do you mind if we... Go ahead. Okay, no, I was about ahead. to suggest like, yeah, no. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, we, can we wrap up? Because yeah. we already dragged Dara like 20 minutes after yeah. what we... Yeah, so we had a good combo. Yeah, it it always it did, happens yeah. every time. We, just, we, we do it rolling. every time. We're, We're very around. bad about this. Yeah, and I try I tried really hard this time. And you hit into all the things that I have a lot I of know, opinions. I know. On, so. <laughs> <laughs> Not even on purpose. I swear to God. Yeah. I swear to God. That's just like it. Just it, it. It came up. I knew I shouldn't have mentioned unique collections, but uh. that's actually like. That's the free space on our bingo card is unique yeah. collections. Yeah. We'll, we'll mention it like once an episode. Uh, literally since episode one, it's been like unique collections. Yeah. It's not a thing. But Dara, I want to ask I, you to close out. Oh, okay. Okay. Don't get no, I just want one, one more thing. Out of <laughs> okay. I think, I think they literally went like, like since it's been since day one, they must know by now that it, most people don't like it. I feel like I don't know how they couldn't. But they just went on that hill and died on it already where they're just like they went so hard in it and they've just become so stubborn about it that they'll never change it, even with the sentiment, which I think is a huge mistake. All right. That's all I have to say. Well, this one, this last question might not help at all, but I'm just going to say if if Marvel, if Marvel Snap is to succeed, what does the future of the game look like? What are the fundamental yeah, changes well, you see? You, you could guess <laughs> we, we toss unique collections first. Mm -hmm. Second, revamp monetization, obviously. I actually think gameplay is great. Gameplay itself is great. 
but release model I think needs to change. I I don't think that that goes into the future. Uh, but that that's kind of coinciding with monetization. Like you could change that up in some ways, um, like together. But I think if you change those three things, you get rid of unique collections. You make it easier to acquire the cards you want, mm-hmm. and, like by getting rid of unique collections. Uh, and then you do the monetization overhaul to make the game cheaper. Like I want to be able to pay like $30 and get a decent amount. I want to be able to pay $100 and get all the new content for three months. I don't want to have to pay more than $100 over three months for a game to get the new content. Like, I sure, I could pay more if I'm whale if I want to get cosmetics and stuff, but I don't want to pay more than that just to play the game. Like, I think $30 over three months is, like, honestly reasonable to play most of the game. Like, 90, 95% of the game would be nice, you know? I don't want to have to play a million missions every single day to to be the main way that I collect cards either. An like MMO loop where you have the second job and it just becomes this burden yeah, where you're doing these chores. Okay. Yeah. I've got, a, I've got a pitch. Like, I, I know like you're suggesting is like fundamental changes. I want to hear what you, have, yeah. what you think about this. You can dust variants to acquire half of a card. Like what are like 0.5 card in whatever I, bullshit currency. I will say people got like two in on the idea of dusting from Hearthstone, I think. And I really am against destroying anything in your collection to collect other things. I think I advocated very strongly while I was on Hearthstone to get rid of dusting. I know a lot of people would probably be really mad about that, even though I think it would be for the better because it would allow you to actually make the game cheaper for people. And I, I am very, I, that was one of the best things when I came into Marvel Snap. I was like, okay, they're not doing anything to get rid of cards. I think you're, you're probably being like, oh, it's just variants, it's just cosmetics. But I think destroying anything in your collection is not a good experience, even if you don't like it or you don't want it. But like maybe in the future you might want it. You know, you might change your mind in some ways. But I, I think there are other ways to give you tokens like you know like token shop tokens i really don't like the token shop either you know it's just like just let me choose the card in my collection that i want to buy you know <laughs> like like there's just so many things but i i don't like the idea of dusting in per in in general um like you could just do it that you open something like of a of a of a cash or whatever and you just get more tokens like that's better already i think than dusting variants mm-hmm. but yeah all right I just instead of having to dust the variant, just give the tokens that you want in dust form anyway. You know, it's just like, add that. You know, don't, don't take away. What about just like a choice where you open the variant and you can either choose the variant or tokens? Right, but why not just say you open it and you get both? You know, it's just like, that's because already just better. they won't do that because they like money, I guess? Well, it's, that's, it's all, I think it's that all is economical a, equation, right? If they can, they can still make it economically favorable and do that, then that's right. fine. But if they but, can't, then it's not, right? It's the supply and the like. It's basic economics, as we we both know. You know, it's just like if you make a thing too expensive, sure you're getting more money per person, but you know you could have a lot more people buying in if you didn't do that. Yeah, that's if the you, thing. If you so, drop it to a degree that more people can afford, you want to find the equilibrium point where mm-hmm. the price matches, where you can maximize your profit. And I really don't think they're doing that at all. That's the thing. I think they killed like their potential by making it so expensive. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we're not going to keep you any longer. What are you up to? What are your socials? Where can people find you? Uh, Dara JN uh, on literally every single platform you could think of. So that's just, that's, uh, that's what I go by everywhere. Um, but yeah, find me on, on there. Follow me on YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, you know, all the, well, I don't, X, 
<laughs> yeah i like am i supposed to still say twitter that that's i still thing. say like, twitter just be no, like people are like oh it's an act of defiance like no it's not it's just i'm lazy you will confuse more <laughs> people by changing. saying you will confuse more people by saying x at this point yeah. <laughs> at what point will that switch over i don't yeah. know but i don't want to my i, I wish they just switch say, it back before out of spite i do hope that point is never and people just keep calling it twitter forever but I, I yeah. think that like he has enough social cl- capital and clout that like eventually like I've seen people on Reddit already posting a source is like from X slash Twitter and it already confuses me. Months. But yeah, it's <laughs> just like yeah, it, it, from six months it'll probably be well, X. I'm hoping he he concedes on this point and just goes back, yeah. but it seems unlikely. I think what Twitter, in his history has ever suggested to you? That he, that he's gone back on a lot of things. Back. I think he said, "I'll do this," and he goes back on it. Like, right, like I think, but once it's done, he doesn't go back on it. He said, "I thought he would go back on happen. buying Twitter, but he was forced into doing that." You know, so he was going to try and back out of that. I feel like, but I get emails yeah. uh, from X, and it says in parentheses, "formerly Twitter." regularly <laughs> i'm serious uh, in, in well, that's because i know it would confuse yeah, people yeah. if they were like what they're, is they're this really going spam? through the prince arc right now like it's the it's the the website formerly known as twitter yeah yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. but it was always formerly known as you know it never became anything but prince so right. yeah well, i don't want to keep you i don't want to yeah. keep you too long so for people listening um if you've been listening to us for a while you enjoy this podcast number one thing you can do is leave us a review and you can do that at ratethispodcast.com slash snapshot or go to apple apple Podcasts, spotify whatever you prefer this video version of this podcast on youtube at youtube.com slash at the underscore snapshot hit that like and subscribe while you're there um twitter brendan apg km best ms and dara jn JM. I think I said N there for a sec. KM, you is, is. It is. Well, it's there we go. <laughs> KM. It's cool. He called you J- Brandon earlier. Yeah. Well, I th- wait. Oh. I was one of those people. Yeah, my, my bad. <laughs> it's no, it's all good. <laughs> okay. KM, your Twitch schedule and what you're up to. Uh I'll be streaming pretty much every day this week. Uh speaking of not pronouncing people's names correctly, Deken. I think is how you're supposed to say it. Exciting battle pass card. The Ken. Where did you get the Ken? I watched Barbie. Yeah, I was about uh, to say. Really I think good. Good. Doing the memes. That's really good. Uh, yeah. He's he's the Ken and he's enough. But uh, I, I'm actually I'm I'm excited for a lot of these cards coming out. And I am praying to God that hopefully like some sort of deck goes around and pushes the good stuff off of its uh vaunted perch dark hawk has been too high above the metacam for too long now and uh you know obviously i i, I hope because like one of the things that's interesting about uh dakin is Dakin's that Dakin. <laughs> is <laughs> that uh you know the proliferation of armor and cosmo mm-hmm. means that dark hawks uh specific tech cards are a lot worse i'm interested to see how that impacts the metagame as well so i'll be streaming every day 6 p.m Catch me there on twitch.tv slash KMBestMS playing uh, the Ken. Mm. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you next week. <laughs>